It's time for episode 315 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, October 9th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where the time has come today. I am your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined across the internet by my good friend and emeritus co-host, Jason Snell, who's sitting in for Micah Sargent. Hello, Jason. Hi, Dan. I have destroyed Micah and replaced him. (laughs) (laughs) Well... It was going to happen. These are these are the risks that we take. Yep. Of course, this is the show where we talk tech with two fantastic guests. To my left this week, it is my very good friend, the co-host of podcasts such as uh, Analog here on Relay FM, and of course, some little show called Accidental Tech Podcast. It's Casey Liss. Hi, Casey. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you for having me. And to my left, because you know she would not be to my right. It is Democratic <laughs> candidate for the House of Representatives from the state of Massachusetts, Brianna Wu. Hello. Hi. I'm also working on destroying and replacing Casey Liss. So wish me luck on that plan. It's going yeah. very well. This, I'll share some tips later. This has become right. a real battle royale of a podcast. It's much more high tension than I thought it would be. Well, all right. I'm going to kick things off with the big news in the Apple world this week, and that is the release of Mac OS Catalina. Uh, There's been a lot written about it, including from some people on this podcast. And so my question for you is, are you and and I know you are all very techie folks. And so I'm curious specifically to know about your thoughts and plans on this. Are you making the jump to Catalina on your Macs? Casey? Yeah, so I have two Macs that I use regularly. I have a couple year old 5K iMac and I have a actually a couple year old uh, MacBook adorable, as I like to call it. That's the one port MacBook. Uh, The iMac is the one I'm recording on right now. It's the one I typically use for those sorts of things. It's the one I use for work. And and because of that, I'm going to stick on uh, Mojave at least for a little while because there's nothing about Catalina at this very moment that is urgently driving me to upgrade. That being said, I have had software and hardware problems with basically in my entire computing life of late. And so earlier this week, I actually did put Catalina on a fresh install on my MacBook. Uh, and that seems to be going well so far. Uh, and that was partially spurned by me really wanting to use sidecar because i do occasionally work out of a coffee shop and i would love to be able to use my ipad pro as a second display for that little teeny tiny macbook display and so i put catalina on there so far so good it seems fine i haven't really had the opportunity to use sidecar in that capacity but i am looking forward to having the chance yeah uh i um am on it now hi this is me speaking from catalina (laughs) Uh, I'm on the other side. Now it's fine over here. I went toward the light and now <laughs> I'm here. Uh, obviously, I mean, I did, I'm the one you referred to, Dan. I wrote like 8,000 words about Catalina this week. It's my job to be on Catalina. And I am on it now. Um, my key, last key piece of software that didn't work on it, which was Audio Hijack, uh, came out yesterday. And so I'm running that. I can do podcasts on it now. I can edit on it. And because I do this for my job, I am going gonna, gonna to be on it now because this is what we do. But that said... I, uh, in my review, what I said was, um, you should take stock before you update because this is one of those big updates where lots of stuff breaks on purpose. This is not one of those, oh, there are going to be bugs that are going to be fixed. Apple is deprecating lots of software, older software that, uh, needs to be updated to 64 bit. And that includes all sorts of stuff that, uh, you might not think like QuickTime frameworks that, cause the old QuickTime is dead. And so you need to check and make sure that not just your favorite apps, but also the drivers for your 
accessories, your peripherals, are functional under Catalina. And if you can do something like um, do a separate uh, uh, partition in APFS, they're not even called partitions anymore, and install into there and try everything out and see how it works, or clone your drive to an external drive and try it out there and see how it works. If you can try it first and see that it works, I think it's fine to update because it's not a it's not a bad problematic operating system in those ways but it does break lots of stuff and i think a lot of people will be surprised at how much stuff it breaks if you've got some app that just hasn't updated in a few years but you think it's fine it's probably not fine (laughs) uh so have you all seen the movie aliens (laughs) do you know the scene where ripley is like talking to burke and she's like i am not going back there and i wouldn't be any good to you if i did because she's so freaked out. I am still so scarred from updating to iOS 13, which broke every single device in my house in terrible ways. I got lost for 30 minutes because it broke CarPlay in my car, and I had to pull over on the side of the road and unhook my battery to force the system to (laughs) reboot. So... I, I, you know, I, I'm running for Congress and I, I just don't have time to mess with uh, operating system problems. Another thing is uh, I run parallels because a lot of the FEC software, no lie, hand to God, is written for Windows operating systems that are 15 years old. <laughs> and I'm really worried that if I uh, upgrade, it's going to break, uh, you know, it's basically going to break them. So uh, I'm leaving my Mac alone. I'm going to stick where I am. I still get a hundred like modal dialogues a day telling me this can't be updated that's fine because i can't risk it until i know this is bulletproof so pull out nuke the site from orbit it's the only way to be sure that's my message that's my message (laughs) i really enjoyed this i feel like we've got a broad spectrum which is really interesting because so many previous updates are like of course i updated you know it's the first thing i did and i will i will straddle that i have one computer on catalina and one on Mojave, so i am i'm hedging my bets i guess um and i so i've updated my macbook air which is the less critical of my two Macs to Catalina just because I did want an opportunity like Jason to sort of play around with it and actually have the ability to write about it. Um, I haven't updated my iMac yet because that's where I do most of my production work. I probably will before too long just so that I have that experience. Um, I My upgrade on my MacBook Air has been relatively smooth, but it did make me really wish uh that i could just have a new computer with a brand new clean install because running those um the what was it go 64 the app that checks for all your six year old 32-bit applications there was so much cruft on that macbook air which is like a five-year-old machine that was imported from a a machine from 2011 and it's like you know what Mm -hmm. uh speaking of nuking the site from orbit I think it might be time to just start over. So maybe the next Mac I buy, uh, which will be a laptop, uh, will come with Catalina, and I'll be forced to start over. But yeah, right now, I'm sort of trying that out as my test bed. And once I'm satisfied that everything is working okay over there, I will probably update my iMac as well. But thank you all for your thoughts on that. And let us move to topic number two, which comes from Casey. So you are being forced by some mechanism that is undetermined to give up one piece of software and one piece of hardware. What would you give up first and what would you give up last? And since this is a little bit of a weird question, as always, I I kind of like to feed everyone with my answers to get you thinking. So for me, I think the first thing I would give up is the first device I would give up is probably my Apple Watch. I do love my Apple Watch, but I think it is an indulgence that I don't absolutely need to survive. Um, and then in terms of software, I'm going to cheat my own question a little bit and say <laughs> probably, yeah, that just happened. Uh, probably <laughs> Facebook or maybe Twitter. I don't look at Facebook that often, although I, I would probably be least affected by getting rid of it. 
Uh, and I look at Twitter constantly, and I would probably most pos- be most positively uh, affected by getting rid of it. Uh, for the things I would give up last, I think whatever my current Apple laptop is, because I can do basically everything from it. And although it would stink not to have an iPhone, I think ultimately it would be better for me to have a laptop if I had to choose just one. And then with regard to software, I would say, uh, well, my my initial thought was either 1Password or Xcode, but really, uh, maybe even just Skype, because that's where I make most of my living, is talking to wonderful people like the three of you. Uh-huh. So those are my answers. Jason, what do you think? Hey, everybody. It's another one of Casey's riddles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, what I do. that's what I do. Um, I, what I want to do is give you the gift of the Magi answer, which is that I'm going to give up Logic Pro 10 on my Mac because I can edit things on Ferrite on my iPad using the I, Apple okay Pencil, which I I'm love. Okay but that. then, and then in terms of hardware, I'd give up the Apple Pencil. And, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> but um, I'm not going to do that. I, I agree with you, Casey. Uh, I love my Apple Watch, but it is probably non-essential. I actually would think about giving up my phone and keeping my Apple Watch, but you got to have Ooh. a phone to set up the Apple Watch. So mm. I, I'm not. I'll just. I'll have to give that up. And in terms of software, you know, there I, I could give up Logic and use Ferrite. I would be okay with that. Um, I have I use a text editor called OneWriter on my iPad. It's a text editor. I th- I like it, but there are a million text editors, and on the iPad I could give it up. I wouldn't do that on with BB Edit. You can um, you're never going to take BB Edit from me, and um, and so I don't know. And and Skype actually I would give up because there are lots of other VoIP uh, apps out there, and they're all better than skype so uh i think that would be my answer but yeah and i'm keeping bb at it and i'm keeping my ipad love it uh i think for me uh for hardware this pains me to say because my 2012 macbook i literally developed all of rev 60 on that using maya if you've ever tried to run maya on a macbook it's oh, suboptimal oh, i burned man. up two logic boards doing this but i used to love my mac notebook and just last night i'm on deadline for the boston globe i'm trying to write and my keyboard failed in my mvp 13 inch uh this is the third time this has happened with this particular model and i'm really at the point where i'm just not going to buy another apple laptop until they get this keyboard issue um sorted away so that is something i would absolutely give up as far as uh software um i would actually say the adobe suite um Creative Cloud is great. Photoshop is great. But uh, for most of the video stuff I've, I do, um, I really think Final Cut uh, has gotten to the point where it is, a, is fully featured enough that I can use that instead. Uh, motion, I think, for the stuff we use it for in a campaign is fully able to compete with After Effects. So that's what I would personally give up. As far as what I would not give up uh, with hardware, iPhone. It really amazes me that you can run 99% of a modern campaign on an iPhone. I do almost all my email, almost all my fundraising, almost all my writing right there on my iPhone throughout my day. Um, as far as software, uh, I think I'm going to have to say it's Twitter. Twitter is a absolutely invaluable service. Uh, I've just made so many great friends there. I know it has a, a bad reputation, but I think it's light years better than Facebook, in my opinion. Casey, this is a yeah. I'm with Jason. This is a real brain teaser here. Um, I was gonna think. My first thought was, can I just give up my HomePods? I don't use them that much. That's fine. I got two of them. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. That's fine. Um, yeah. I, 
You know, it's funny. I'm going to contradict myself slightly because in the last question, I said I installed Catalina on my MacBook Air because it's like the least critical of my Macs. But I also think it's the one I keep because of the same reason that it, it, it is at least portable and I could take it with me wherever I go. I'm kind of tempted to say I would keep the iPhone just because it is so indispensable and it's hard to imagine life without it. The biggest thing that holds me back is the idea like... I could write a novel on an iPhone, but I really don't want to. <laughs> like, it yeah. sounds incredibly painful. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I think the MacBook would go would go last, and I, I think my weirdly, I think my iPad might go first, just because I feel like with a MacBook, at least I could do everything I can do on an iPad without too much trouble, uh, plus more. As far as software goes. Again, I kind of want to do that thing where I give up something that I have to use, which in this case is Microsoft Word, <laughs> um, even though I don't like it, but I have to use it because it's what publishing kind of runs on. Um, I think I would also possibly give up mail if if I could, just because increasingly email has just become a place where people send me like spam and just, not even spam, but just like mailing lists that I've ended up on for all the different sites. And it's just such a pain to continually have to like unsubscribe from everything. So I think that would be near the top of the list for things I give up. And then honestly, Slack might be the thing that I end up keeping just because it has become Ooh, such a water mm-hmm. cooler thing for me uh, in a way that Twitter used to be. And I, I still like Twitter. I still spend a lot of time there. But Slack is like where my friends are. And I feel like I would like to keep that. So I hope I hope we have we answer your questions well enough to live, Casey. Is that yes? You, okay. you may continue on. Excellent. All right, I will allow it. Well, I'm going to continue on by rolling us right into halftime because we have gotten through two topics on this show, and this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Flatiron School. Fall is in the air, and kids aren't the only one going back to school. At Flatiron School, students are parents, musicians, travelers, and working professionals from all walks of life. Learn software engineering, UX UI design, or data science at Flatiron School in just 15 weeks and launch a new career with one-on-one support from their dedicated career coaches. Flatiron School stands behind their students with a money-back guarantee. Complete details are at flatironschool.com slash terms. Flatiron School's committed instructors have both industry and teaching experience and are backed by the master teachers and learning experience designers to ensure you get the best possible support, whether you choose to learn on campus or online. This fall, pursue your passion and discover your potential and go back to school with us. Get a head start with the free boot camp prep course at flatironschool.com slash clockwise. See you in class. Our thanks to Flatiron School for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime is over. Mr. Snell. Uh, I'm not going to give you a brain teaser like Casey, but still, I am going to ask you a hypothetical counterfactual, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Last week, as this show was being recorded, Microsoft announced a whole bunch of new Surface uh, products, some of which are shipping soon, some of which are shipping, uh, probably will be on the moon by the time those ones are shipping. (laughs) Anyway, uh, it it ran the gamut. But uh, here's my question. This goes back to something that Bree just talked about before the ad break, which is, we seem to be in a position now where Microsoft has really shockingly taken over for Apple in terms of creating the most interesting groundbreaking laptop hardware out there um they're pushing things in ways that apple hasn't for a little while um and so i have to ask the difficult question which is which one would break you first if you have to run great laptop hardware but use windows or run mac os with bad laptop hardware which do you choose, and how bad would it have to get for you to change your mind, Bree? So I think I agree. That's a really interesting question. And I think all of us here are Apple people. I think we've really got to give uh, Microsoft props for their work these days. Uh, their Surface event was really, really, really fascinating. I mean, the Surface has gotten to the point where 
I'm not going to swap it out for an iPad, but I think you could. And the the Surface Pro X, that is a really interesting device, though. I want to see reviews come out. I made the mistake of getting a first-gen Surface Go, and it was just so slow, I ended up taking it back. Um, For me, the argument uh, for Apple as an operating system is not the features or ease of use. I think we've really passed a point where Apple is not putting out software that's uh, of the quality it was five, 10 years ago. To me, the reason I still keep with it is the security. If I'm sending a text through iMessage to someone on my team, I can feel reasonably sure that that's secure. Um, Mac, generally speaking, if you're not working in a large office, it is more secure than uh, than the Windows equivalent. Um, so for me, even though battery life would take a really big hit, I would rather run Mac on Windows hardware. Jason, you're like one step away from Dennis Hopper and speed right now. Like if this podcast goes... <laughs> longer than 30 minutes it explodes you have to choose dan <laughs> choose Pop now quiz, um you know <laughs> i think so i i used to work in it and tech support and i had to use windows for that job and i spent all my time supporting windows and that was you know 15 years ago at this point and i got comfortable with it but i never really loved it um and i feel like the biggest issue there is i've stepped away from it so long that when i go back and and have to use something with windows on it i literally don't understand how anything works anymore (laughs) um so i I think i could get by with it but i don't think i would enjoy it so i I think i have to agree with brie that i would prefer to run mac os on crappy hardware and the reason for that is for no other reason than like if i have to replace crappy hardware it feels a lot easier than moving uh, the, the friction of moving everything to Windows and everything I do on Windows and finding substitutes for all the tools. At least if the crappy hardware like breaks, I'll just buy another crappy disposable piece of hardware. But I uh, just, you know, want to sum this up by saying, Jason, you're a monster. Casey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As with so many things, Dan, I think you and I are of the same mind. Mm. Um, I think for me, you know, having just reloaded both of my machines from nothing, you know, I didn't m- migrate or anything. I-, I installed operating systems fresh. I can tell you that it is not the multi-day affair it used to be, you know, moving all your music and moving all your pictures and so on and so forth. For various and sundry reasons, it, uh, so little of my actual data is siloed on only one machine. You know, so much of it is in the cloud or on my network attached storage or what have you. And so because of that, it would make you think that, oh, it would be easier to move to a new OS. And it probably is easier now than ever before. But that said, I have used Windows as recently as just a couple of years ago. And I used it, you know, professionally a couple of years ago. And I basically hated every bit of it. (laughs) And as of a couple of years ago, anyway, something is rudimentary in macOS, like high DPI support. So this is, you know, the, the Windows equivalent of Retina, if you will. It was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster two years ago, and I have no reason to believe, and from what I've heard, it still is today. Uh, There's so much about macOS that just works the way I work and that gets out of my way from doing my work. And so because of that, I would absolutely choose macOS on crummy hardware, which arguably I'm already doing with a butterfly keyboard, than I would uh, anything else. These are all good. I, I'm glad <laughs> I have made you all choose. And now I will reveal that um, I already stopped using Apple hardware for or Apple laptops for uh, for my regular work. Um, and I switched to an alternate operating system, uh, not Windows. Are you nuts? I uh, use an <laughs> iPad now. So that's my answer is would I turn to Windows? No, no, I would not. But I might abandon macOS if I had to because iOS is also good. Uh, but yes, I, I'm fascinated by Microsoft's hardware. But then I realize it runs Windows 
And I think, no, not so much. Not for me. Not for me. Super uh, judgmental. That's, yeah, I know. Well, I made, I made the point on a different podcast earlier this week that there are some people who don't care what operating system they use. Uh, they're Windows users. Um, Brianna, what is your topic? So I think this is a really interesting story. So uh, Domino's has recently, they were, they were sued by someone who was blind um, because they were not able to order a pizza using uh, Domino's, uh, using Domino's website. And uh, I enjoy Domino's. I use the, I order pizzas quite a bit for my team. Uh, and I have to agree their website and apps are absolutely terrible. But uh, they filed this case, they brought it forward in the Supreme Court um, recently decided not to try the case, laying a previous decision stand, basically saying someone was able to sue Domino's under the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, I have my own opinion about this, but uh, I want to ask everyone on Clockwise, how do you feel about this? Uh, do you think it's a good ruling? Do you think it's a bad ruling? I, I mean... It seems to me a no-brainer that everything online should be as accessible as possible. Uh, and so, you know, linking into what I commented in my in my in the last topic, when I worked in IT tech support um, at this small research program, one of the people I supported was a blind user, and setting up stuff for him, even at that point in the early two thousands, like it was impressive how good the accessibility stuff was, but. We had to get like a very specific setup for him for this screen reader software and all that. And I feel like great strides have been made in technology accessibility. And that's wonderful. And I think it should be it should be mandated in the same way that if you need to make your business or what have you accessible to people who have mobility restrictions, then we should absolutely make sure that as much of technology and the web are accessible to people with disabilities that may not be able to easily access them otherwise. I think I think that seems right to me, and I, I think that just seems just. Everyone should have access to it. Technology can make big differences in people's lives in terms of giving them access to things they might not otherwise be able to do. So yeah, I, I think it sounds pretty solid to me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think one thing we've learned over the last five to 50 years is that you cannot trust a corporation to do what's morally or ethically right, basically ever. And some corporations like Apple, for example, I think generally do a decent job of taking the high road and doing what's right. But even Apple has plenty of things that they do wrong. And so I don't think it's unreasonable for it to be codified into law that, you know, that companies should make their websites accessible to those who are differently abled. And certainly I think it's it's morally and ethically, you know, compulsory whether or not it is from a legal perspective. I I think that this is a really bad look for Domino's, which is actually pizza that I enjoy. It's a really bad look for Domino's to be fighting this. Oh. Like, this is just the right thing to do. And that is so on brand for you, Casey. Well done. <laughs> yeah, well done. I know. I know. It, it's what I do. But, um, you know, I, I just think it's really distasteful that, that this is something that they're even considering fighting. And gosh knows, not having looked at any numbers, I would assume they spent far more in in their legal fees than it would have cost to just properly solve the problem in the first place, which is really genuinely sad. I um, agree with Casey that, uh, first off, I have also ordered pizza from Domino's because they have a gluten-free crust, and uh, so I'll order that occasionally. See? But, 
Yeah, I know. It's uh, I feel bad about it though. So um, I I think I think what's good about this is that this got into a court case and there is some precedent now um, because, as Casey said, uh, providing access to, should be something that companies do, but um, they may not choose to do it if uh, not forced to do it by the law. And that's why we have laws and that's why we have court decisions. I would say accessibility has been a concern of people who are building the web. Not all people, but people in the web community for ages now there. And and what I mean by that is that there are frameworks, there are rules, there are standards. It's all there. All you have to do is implemented. And if this would be a different case, if it was sort of like, Oh, but people on the web have never thought about how to make our websites accessible. (laughs) It's like, no, that's not true. So um, I'm happy to see this because it is another thing. It's actually what, what, what it's going to be is you're going to have a web designer, at a company and they're going to say we need to allow this amount of time to do this accessible thing and a manager's going to say well what do you mean do we have to do that and they're going to say yes we do have to do it and so it'll get done that's what it's going to do it's going to empower those people to say no we have to do this and we know how to do it and then uh, in the end everybody will benefit because accessibility has all sorts of unintended consequences that um, end up meaning that it's a better experience for everybody, not just the people who need a particular aspect of accessibility. So I think it's awesome. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with the group here. Um, you know, to me, I, I, I get a lot of calls and emails uh, from people who have disabilities. Uh, when you run for office, uh, you talk to a lot of people that need changes in the law. And I knew that there were challenges online for people with disabilities, but I didn't appreciate just how strong they were before I started running for office. To me, this is very similar to the net neutrality argument. If you're thinking about the, the core point for which we fight net neutrality. So every person can have access to the same experience on the web. And you know, traditionally, that means the rich and the poor. But I think in this case, it's kind of from those who have sight and those who uh, do not. Um, as you all said, I suspect it's far more expensive for them to fight a, a case to the Supreme Court than it is to just go through and encode these things. On a more personal note, I come from the game industry. We have punted on developing standards for uh, for users with disabilities for literally 15 years. We've gotten extensions on that. I do believe the ESA finally stopped fighting this in court, uh, meaning Microsoft and PSN are going to bring those standards forward soon. But ultimately, this is the right thing to do. And um, I think that if companies are not going to do the right thing, I think the law needs to change. So I was glad to see the suit come forward. All right. That is four topics down, but we have just enough time for a bonus topic. Right after I tell you about our other sponsor this week, this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Direct Mail, an easy-to-use email marketing app designed exclusively for the Mac that helps you create and send great-looking email newsletters. Email marketing is still an incredibly cost-effective way to reach your customers and grow your business. And for the past 15 years, Mac users around the world have trusted the Direct Mail app to handle all of their marketing needs. It's designed just for the Mac, which means it's fast, it's easy to use, and it works great with all the other apps and services that you already use. With Direct Mail, you can quickly and easily compose high-quality emails that look great on both mobile and desktop. You can get in-depth campaign reports that show you who's reading, clicking, and sharing your newsletters. And you can save time by integrating with over 1,000 other apps and services on your Mac and the web, plus much more. 
They have real human live chat customer support available to answer your questions. And Direct Mail is the number one top-rated email marketing app for the Mac, with five-star reviews on the App Store, Get App, and elsewhere. Plus, it's trusted by small businesses, nonprofits, schools, and Fortune 500 companies alike. Direct Mail is free to download and get started, and listeners of this podcast can save 10% off all of the full-feature pricing plans. So head over to directmailmac.com slash clockwise to check it out. That's directmailmac.com slash clockwise to get 10% off when you opt for a full feature plan. Our thanks to Direct Mail for their support of Clockwise and all of Relay FM. All right, bonus topic for you all out there. What is your walk-on music, Casey? <laughs> you know, I, I, I have no idea, but it seems to me the obvious answer has to be a tune by Casey and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> And glancing at their discography, the the one I landed on was "That's the Way." Uh huh, uh huh. I like it, and I think that's going to have to be the winner. Uh, Casey, may I may I suggest uh, I'm loving it or Domino's Pizza <laughs> delivers. <laughs> um, I, what what I want to say, and I'm stealing this from our good friend Philip Michaels, is the uh, national anthem of the Soviet Union because that's really funny. But it's going to be "Don't Dream It's Over" by Crowded House. That's mm-hmm. the right answer. Mm-hmm. Gabby, fight the power by Public Enemy. I love that song. I love that song. I listen to it all the time. Uh, and I'm going to pick the theme from Mission Impossible because, come on, that would just be great to walk on to. Oh, that is good. <laughs> all right. That is the end of our show. All that remains is to thank our fantastic guest this week, Casey Liss. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, as always. And Brianna Wu, thank you. It's been a party. And Jason, thanks for filling in so ably once again. I, I I look forward to Micah coming back next week, or will he? Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see then. But until then, we remind all of you out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.